is our great pleasure to introduce Sandy Hudson, a political strategist, organizer, and communications expert. Sandy is also the founder of Black Lives Matter Toronto, and I'm fangirling a little bit, <laughs> an academic and staff at CUPE Local 3903. And Nora Loretto is a writer and activist from Quebec City, the editor of the Canadian Association of Labour Media. Her most recent bylines can be found at the National Observer, the Washington Post, Stewards Update, and the Globe and Mail. Together, they are Sandy and Nora Talk Politics, and they're on fire. So let's please give a warm hashtag Hamont welcome for Sandy Hudson and Nora Loretto. Hello. <laughs> How are y'all doing? Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. So you know what's weird? Okay, so this is our first live show, so thank you for inviting us. It's also the first time we've ever recorded where we can see each other. <laughs> so usually what happens, like the magic of editing a podcast is that we have these weird, oh, you know what, I'm going to take these off. That's oh, not That is such good. a good idea. <laughs> we have these weird pauses and so on because we can't see each other. And I'm like, is Nora going to respond to what I just said or do I just continue? And now all that awkwardness is gone. So it's just going to be perfect. Perfection yeah. tonight. Yeah, it, it won't be like the time that I didn't record myself, <laughs> and then I had to re-record myself to Sandy talking for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She calls me. She's like, "Oh, I didn't record myself. I think we have to do that again." And I was like, "Well, I don't have time for that." So I sent you my recording. Have fun. <laughs> have fun chatting with me. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good, and the, and the canned laughter was wonderful because it was like, oh, Sandy's randomly laughing. I need to delete that because I don't know what was funny. <laughs> Life online as a woman, as an activist, as a woman with an opinion, a woman with the right opinion, with, with the, the right, right opinion. opinions. <laughs> And what that's been like for us. So, uh, you know, we, we both have lived our lives online for quite some time. Um, not quite as uh, with the same level of both popularity and hatred as we currently do. And it's been a really wild ride to, like, uh, be living life online at the same time that trolls are perfecting what they do. And so some of you will have heard or have watched alongside us what happened with Nora very recently. Um, it, I was just putting together a presentation about how to use social media and how to interact with people, uh, specifically with journalists, because I think that that's where Twitter remains really useful. Is you can actually have that one-on-one -on -one with journalists, and then you can also meet a lot of really cool people online, which I have, and I'm sure you have as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and this presentation is, is one that I used to give a decade ago. And um, <laughs> what passed as outrageously like offensive Twitter behavior 10 years ago is like my daily what I say to people. <laughs> and what they say back is like 100,000 times worse. Uh, we, we live in a society where decorum in real life is like, you must be proper, you must be nice, you cannot be rude, you have to res like respect people even if they don't re deserve respect, right? This whole thing of, with all due respect, and then what comes next is like, but go to hell, I hate you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's real life. We have this ridiculous fake decorum in real life. Whereas online, the, the, the amount of hatred and of, of over-the-top hate speech 
is, uh, is, is brewing. It's like, it's consistently getting worse. There's like this feedback loop that's making things get worse and get worse and get worse. And so it gets to the point where when I go online, I have to expect that I'm going to be called names. I'm going to be insulted. I'm going to be probably told to kill myself and so on. Depends on the day, right? It depends on whether or not <laughs> I'm making jokes about like conservatives getting eaten by bears, which my entire day on Twitter has been about bears for some ridiculous reason. What did you say? Well, you know, Candace Malcolm, who is a cons- is a conservative commentator. She, I don't know, if she gets paid a check for Sun News. She better because she shills for them. Yeah. And so she was arguing that we have handguns in Canada to shoot black bears because she has. I been- did see this. I did see this. I did see this. Because she has family in Vancouver who um, might otherwise die. And I said, "Wow, this is like a really <laughs> strong argument in favor of more bears." <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> one, one, a troll says to me, like, are you saying that she should die by bear? And I'm like, I'm sorry, was it not clear? <laughs> I wasn't saying that. I was just saying we should save the bears because I, I can't stand. Anyway, so this is the level of discourse in which we, we exist when, when you're trying to be a very serious revolutionary, which we are all very the serious. time. Absolutely. Um, it gets kind of hard. Yeah, no doubt. And then the, the 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 targeting that comes with doing online activism where people can find you for the things that you've said, sometimes that can travel offline, and that's when it gets really frightening. When uh, Black Lives Matter did uh, the demonstration that we did at Pride, um, what seems like forever ago, but was in just 2015 or 2016, we... You know, we got a lot of hatred online. There was a lot of people who were, um, there were people who were expressing opinions just generally. And then there was like super hateful, awful stuff with people talking about all the sorts of things that they would like to do to us. There, we have like, there's this one particular troll who, who emails me, <laughs> emails me literally three or four times a day still from 2016 to today with uh, whatever it is he wants to do to me. Uh, as a result of what happened at Pride and then other things, because he's he's looked me up. So, and during that time, you know, all this stuff is being wrapped up online, ramped up online, the media wasn't so great. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I'm walking down the street one day and I got spit on, uh, on Church Street. And uh, I was doing an interview with a, with a black reporter and I guess someone who wanted to be a hateful piece of shit uh, decided that she was BLM and I was not. And so... Uh, shoved her uh, to the point where she almost fell and she he was like you BLM scum and I was like oh that's me not her <laughs> she's like not all of us are part of BLM <laughs> <laughs> but you know it can, it can get actually quite frightening and it's actually um it can be actually quite dangerous and so you know uh, sometimes people will say you know don't feed the trolls or like delete people or ban them but I had uh, another particular stalker from uh, my lovely alma mater, U of T, who um, was motivated enough, I think, to find out like where I lived. So I, you know, I posted this thing one time about. This is ridiculous, but <laughs> I wrote this thing. I was at school. I was at U of T. It's Black History Month. They have this advertisement <laughs> for like. A celebration of Black History Month, they're like selling certain types of food. <laughs> <I know the story. laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, the food that they're advertising is they're like Jamaican rice. As a Jamaican person, I found this hilarious because there is no such thing as Jamaican rice. <laughs> what I imagine they were going to be selling is what is called rice and peas, <laughs> not Jamaican rice. So I thought that was funny, and I wrote, on my, I wrote something on my Facebook about how hilarious it was that U of T was trying to you know, celebrate Black History Month by selling and non-existent food and <laughs> dish. And so this, this guy, he's like uh, so insistent that I am being ridiculous because of course I should know what Jamaican rice is. And I was like, dude, there's just like, there's no such thing as Jamaican rice. And he's like, there is, there is such a thing. Like I looked it up and Jamaicans use such spices as thyme, coconut, <laughs> coconut milk, uh, you know, like sometimes they use allspice. It is probably all of that in the rice. And I was like, <laughs> I uh, like there's there is no such thing as Jamaican rice. Like what is? And then people start like this goes on. Like I, you know, this is early in the day. I post this, and then I go to work because like who cares, right? Like I come home, and then there's like I don't know what 150 or 300 Easy. messages on my on this one thread with people being like, haha, you're an idiot. There's no such thing as Jamaican rice. And him and this one other woman being like, no, there is. There is a Jamaican rice. We promise. <laughs> Neither of those people were Jamaican. Anyway, so he, after this interaction, becomes obsessed with me in a way where he, he's like threatening to find me. He's threatening to like, um, to do all sorts of things. And I was nervous that he, he actually, if I did not allow him to engage with me online, that he would try to take it to another level. So, you know, you have these choices. Like, do you not deal with the trolls? Mm -hmm. Do you ban the trolls and potentially not know what's happening next? Do you have them continue to engage with you online? I also like the idea that people can see what the consequences are of having an opinion, of taking, act, taking action on a particular thing, or just making a stupid joke about like Jamaican rights, mm -hmm. you know? Like what the consequences are for someone who has the, the, the same type of identity that I do. Because I don't know that that, that that type of response to such a throwaway comment would happen to to everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, the feed the or starve the trolls narrative, I think, is very 2010. <laughs> it's a very different time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because it's it definitely was advice in 2000. And, you know, from 2008 to 2011. Let's pick an arbitrary date from not now where if you don't respond to some of these people, maybe they will go away, mm -hmm. right? And that, that was a legitimate thing where you'd say, okay, like, what am I getting from this? What am I not getting from this? Do I come across as obsessive? Do I come across as over the top? Do I come across as unreasonable? Or is it worth trying to come combat this person because the audience is worth it? And when I was going through, like, so I've had a couple of Twitter storms. The one that you're all probably aware of was with the Humboldt Broncos, but I've, that was not my first time, and it was not even the last, actually. Um, <laughs> I called for uh, Trump and Melania to be guillotined, and a whole bunch of Americans didn't like that. Um, but it was also the king of Spain, right? Who's an actual, like, fascist. Like, whatever, right? Like, it's just, it's like, the, I, someone was like, are you, again, are you calling for them to be killed? And I said, no, it's a, re it's a reference to the French Revolution, you idiot. <laughs> Where everyone was killed. 
<laughs> whatever. Um, but but what was very uh, like okay. So the, so what I went through in April was was in, it taught me a lot of things and and actually Sandy watching it also taught me a lot of things too because it was having a lot of different perspectives on what I was seeing. And this idea that we, or I, uh, have the ability to increase or decrease the hate or the heat, Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't, that's not true. Uh, We are no longer there. I think we were there. And I think that that's why you could say, you know, stop feeding the trolls. It's it's not getting any better. Um, Now it's really about what can you handle? And not like, are you like, can you, can, can you handle it or not? But like honest assessments of what is the level of heat that you can handle and, and go to that limit. Mm-hmm. Um, because the humble thing was organized, right? Yeah. It was, it was uh, a Sunday night uh, after a weekend of me tweeting about like, you know, how horrible it was and how, um, how horrified car accidents uh, I'm horrified by car accidents and I studied it in the University of Saskatchewan. So like, you know, I know what the prairies look like and I know um, when the wheat board was sold and all of the rail to, to ship all the grains were, you know, being pulled out of the West, that uh, trucking's increased, obviously, right? These are all forces that are connected. These are the things I was talking about that, that weekend. And, um, and so the process of that going from what it was to being enormous I, say, I, I would say was kicked off by someone named Adrian Batra. Now, Adrian is famous for a lot of reasons, uh, probably most notable uh, before a couple of years ago as Rob Ford's director of communications, and she's now the editor-in-chief of the Toronto Sun. So Adrian took my tweet and just like sensationalized the hell out of it, took it out of context and like had a good time, I assume, I at least hope. And it just (laughs) created a reason for people to come after me. And so whether or not I engaged with people had actually nothing to do with whether or not I got more heat back. Mm -hmm. And that, that the, whether or not that's organic, like going viral is a really fascinating thing because there was nothing organic about it. People were actively ramping it up every time it got reshared and every time it got kind of torqued into another way, uh, it was ramped up. And so, you know, over the course of four days, I think, I was getting a message every eight seconds, whether it was on Twitter, whether it was on Facebook, whether it was on my blog, whether it was like phone calls, I had to unplug my phone because my kids were like, why does your phone keep ringing? Like, that's your office phone and it's night. And I'm like, because people want to kill mummy. It's no big deal. <laughs> um, and um, and, and I, I was able to respond to people because literally that was catharsis. That wasn't me. My actions online were, was not me modeling how I think everyone should act online. It was literally... Like, um, I guess you could say that's my self-care. Telling someone to fuck themselves is my self-care. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, when, when we're thinking about how to deal with this stuff, it is very personal. Um, but there is also a whole community around that personal situation that can help say, no, no, you got to turn off your phone. No, no, you like this is like I see you spinning out. You need to turn off your phone. You need to not look at those comments. Mm-hmm. And knowing the difference can be really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. And it takes that external voice sometimes uh, to either say you need to stop or to reinforce, no, no, that's good. In my case, it was don't talk to the media and I can't even open my phone because Twitter keeps crashing it. So like, no big deal. I'm not going to look at that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, with my organizing with BLM, you know, one of our members had a similar thing happen where, you know, these uh, Sun News people, these News Talk 1010 people 
who are, you know, super ultra-conservative white supremacist type folks, were looking through the history of everything that we had ever posted online to try to find something that made us look bad. And uh, as I say, we have lived our life online for a really long time. I, my, my life online is as clean as I want it to be. You know, like I, I was ready for this life. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like we, you, we, we post up to what we think we can handle, right? Totally, yeah. And so, but not everybody was in the same place as that in the team uh, that that I was working in at the time, and uh, one of these guys from News Talk 1010 finds a tweet Print, specifically prints it. it out specifically <laughs> from a Muslim member of our team. So uh, her last name kind of gives that away, and prints it prints out the tweet, s- circles it, <laughs> and then posts posts the tweet as a picture. I, I mean, on Twitter, you can retweet things, so it's like, you know, that makes it... I don't know What's in the why, pencil in the yeah, picture? And then, like, the, so he, like, circles it, and then he puts the pen in the picture, like, gotcha! It's like, there's, like, a, literally a retweet button, but okay, dude. Um, so, finds this tweet, uh, puts it out there, and the, the, the tweet, uh, you know, in this white supremacist world that, you know, the hate, the hate net... You know, it, respo- it, it refers to Allah. It refers to, uh, like, killing and cussing. And, and so, uh, the, you know, it was like, oh, my God, Muslim and killing. And then it said white men somewhere in there. So it's like, my, white men, ah! Oh! And so they were all like, oh, God, BLM is really this group intending to kill all the white men and install, like, some Muslim... Like, anyway... So they, they, I remember the day that it happened that he found it. And it was like from months ago. It was like not something that had happened recently. So I'm, I'm starting to get all these phone calls. And they're like, can we speak to, and usually the journalists are trying to speak to me. So they're like, can we speak to, I guess they went through our roster, uh, Yusra Kogali or Jenea Khan? And I was like, what? Why those two? Like, what about? What is this about? Um, we just really want to talk to Yusra Kogali or Jenea Khan. I was like, what is going on? Realize that this is what they've done. And so to this day, you know, a lot of the hate that even I get, because I get residual hate, like I still get hate about Nora, I still get hate about um, this member of my team. Uh, this person, they were trying to literally force her to like, end her life or not be able to live or to 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 have an, any sort of online presence any sort of livelihood like you know they they were contacting the school that she was at they were uh, attempting to get her fired from where she was like it, it it became outrageous and you know for someone like Nora who has lived her life online since online yeah. since internet uh well we didn't have it um, at home until I was like in grade Well, ten. Nora's a strange person, right? And so like there's Nora who also has like a, a particular type of community around her and then perhaps not everybody has that. And then so, you know, perhaps the response is to, to, to withdraw from social media and to actually have to make these sorts of changes in your life where you're fully restricted because of the way that trolls are engaging with you online and attempting to significantly change your life. And when I say significantly change 
her life, like, you know, we went to the same school, there was a petition that they had started to get us um, kicked out of school, um, not graduate, and like all sorts of made up crap that started to come out about her, me, like all sorts of people. And that stuff can be really, really dangerous. It can be really dangerous. I had, I had a, um, a job interview recently uh, for like a like a editor position, like an online editing blog position, where uh, I guess the person who was hiring Googled my name, and mm, then it's like, I, there's some questions I have about a few things that I found about you online, and it's like, oh, now she didn't care. I got the job, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, like you know that that type of thing uh, can really affect somebody's livelihood. Um, well, they, they try to make it affect your livelihood. Absolutely. Like That's the, the goal. The tactics that, that, that people used on me, they didn't work for a bunch of structural reasons. Like, I'm a freelancer, and my partner was like, fuck them! <laughs> we will fucking, yeah! Right? And I was like, okay, it's all good. And... Um, and then my parents, uh, I'm like, hey, mom and dad, like, and my dad's like, why did I get more Twitter followers out of this? <laughs> um, and they'll actually probably be here later tonight, so you can oh, follow yay. my, yeah, you can follow my, follow my parents on Twitter. They're both there. Um, and, and so that was very helpful. Like, not everybody's parents are, like, hippie, weird people like mine, like, <laughs> I'm I'm lucky, right? I guess in some ways. I'm not lucky in other ways because when they visit, they're always on my internet. But um, <laughs> I can't do any work. <laughs> but um, they they really did target everything that they could. They tried to get me fired from many many jobs, and you might remember that McLean's took the historic step of basically announcing to the world that they had will have have not had and will no longer have association with me. Um, and through like a through a press release, right? And it was like, sir, you publish like actual straight up white supremacists, and I am the one that gets this for the first time. Like that is cool, actually. I need that on a mug, right? <laughs> but uh, that happened on the Thursday night. This went viral on Tuesday morning. So by Thursday night, like it fully felt like a punch to the gut. That was the moment where I was like. You know, because as a leftist writer, you know, I went to Ryerson's journalism school. I didn't finish for a very good reasons because I did not fit in there. And to finally get an article in McLean's, which, hmm, oh, was a, an article about a community dealing with the aftermath of a horrible tragedy, which was along the same lines of what I wrote about, about Humboldt, right? If you actually read it in context. Um, and so McLean's basically, yeah, they, they said like pretty much Nora Loretto is trash and we don't have any association with her, which was pretty much the worst absolute thing that they could do. And I had a second cousin who like was so pissed and she's like, Nora, like I, I ride buses and what you said, I was like, shut up. I ride buses too. Like, <laughs> holy fuck. This is not about, I used to work on a tour bus. Like, and, and it was, and it actually, and, and we're not close or anything, but it really, it really hurt. And then I found out last week that my grandmother was getting messages, but wow. she doesn't know how to use Facebook. <laughs> and so my aunt intercepted them all. Oh my God. Yeah. And didn't tell me if I had heard that, I would have been like really pissed, like really pissed. Right. Um, cause my grandmother's like 86 and what the fuck? She doesn't need to know that literally the entire world hates me. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that made it 
work in my situation, which which is where in your life is not the case, and other folks, I'm thinking like Elle Jones in Halifax, where mm-hmm. she's high profile, and the community in Halifax is not that big. Mm-hmm. I live in what is effectively a different country. Like, I was not getting threats in French. I was not getting threats. Like, I had people say, watch out, we're staring at your driveway. Watch out, we're in your driveway. And I'm like, yo, I don't have a driveway. <laughs> like, what the fuck, right? Okay, cool. Like, whatever you do, don't kill me because it's not me, right? Um, and, the, and the guy that wrote that was probably in fucking, I don't know, Connecticut or something, mm-hmm. right? Texas like, or some or te- shit. Yeah, yeah, like there was a lot of Americans. Like, I had a lot of weird New York accents telling me to, like, die and stuff. It was weird. Um, and so it like had I not lived in a place where I could see easily that these were not real threats, it would have been much, much more difficult. And the first morning, like, so my local newspaper, the daily newspaper there, Le Soleil in Quebec city, (laughs) like I am nobody in Quebec city, right? No one knows who I am. I'm just like a a guy that barely speaks the language and that's my life there. And I, I, and there's a full page article about like Quebec city authors getting death threats. Jason Kenny tweets about her hates her. I was like, whoa, this hit the newspaper. This is so weird. <laughs> and so the next morning, and I keep my front door unlocked, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, maybe I should start locking my door. And someone walks in, and I was like, oh, my God. And there was a friend of mine with a pie. that she <laughs> And she showed the paper to everyone in the bakery, and they all signed the box. And I'm like, courage, courage, right? And I was like, courage. So... So I, I just, I was perfectly placed. If I lived in Regina, if I lived in Saskatoon, if I yeah. lived in Toronto even, where any like where I can't tell the difference between the language and stuff, it would have been a totally different scene. Things got weird. Like after the initial firestorm died down, the week after, I was then getting like really weird threats. I was getting really weird messages from people. And it's the um, committed people it's that are the, the weirdest. Yeah, it's like the tide comes in and you're like, I survived the tide. It's like, whoa, holy shit. There's a bunch of like eels now in the sand that are all trying to like kill me, right? Yeah. Like with their spiky eel tongues or something. That was weird. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I was thinking that they had razorbacks, but they don't, right? No. No, and they're not eels. I was thinking like crabs as well. I don't know why I said eels. Mm-hmm. They're gross is why probably, but okay. they, um, so there was a Monday night where I was supposed to go, I play soccer a bunch and I play mostly with men and these guys were like, are you going to die? Like, do we need to, <laughs> we're really afraid for you. And I'm like, Oh, it's not a big deal. We're all good. And they're like, you're going to come up for beer tonight. Right. And we don't, we play until 11. So we don't go to the bar until midnight. AKA I'd never go. Cause it sucks. And I was fully like, I'm not walking around tonight after midnight. Like, no way, I can't do it. And it was the real first time that I had to openly admit that I actually was, I was afraid. I was really, really scared of the kind of messages that I was getting. But again, I could go home and I still had the partner being like, fuck yeah. And I still had the parents being like, you're the best. And, and, that, and that, that, that defined how I was going to interact. If I hadn't had that, I probably would have gone dark. I would have just like taken a break off of social media and been like, okay, this is, this is stupid because it really is. Yeah, I think uh, the the first time I was really hit with that, uh, the way, how scary it can be in person is when I was working at the Students' Union at the University of Toronto. It was, I think it was in 2012. And, you know, the, like, the hate net wasn't quite the beast that it is right now, but there were men's rights associations who were really trying to do their thing online. Mm. And uh, a men's, one of the things that they, they started to do is uh, to really follow uh, the, the model put forward by anti-choice organizations in Canada where they were trying to start up 
campus groups all over the country that were for for men's rights. I don't think there's so much doing that anymore, but that was initially how they were trying to recruit um, for men's rights, which was really like, we hate women. And so uh, these these men would often not really be associated on campus in any way. They were usually not students, um, but they would like figure out what the rules were, how they could get past those rules and start up a campus group that would either get funding or the right to book space or the right to have an event on campus. And so there's a men's rights association at the University of Toronto they decide to bring this dude who's like a, a like rape apologist and uh, also a, a pedophilia apologist, like this guy who's just like, you know, there's, there's different kinds of rape and some rape is good. And so it's just like, it was just like ridiculous. It was like, you know, if they were having these events where they were basically saying if women dress a certain way, that's like a mind rape to men. And so the appropriate response is a physical rape. Like that's the type of stuff that they were talking about. It was outrageous. And so a number of activists on campus decided, uh, okay, so we're not going to let this event happen. We're going to um, protest outside the door. We're going to try to stop people from coming in, whatever. And, um, And there's like this you know, a bunch of police on horses, which is weird for a campus, don't know how that happened. And uh, the police like move in and break up the protesters. And there's a lot of video of this and the, the, the hate net online was able to identify one of the people in the video who was associated with the students union. And for, I wanna say like six months straight working at the students union, and especially in that first two weeks, we were getting so much hate mail and uh, like from online and like really visceral, very descriptive things from these men and what they wanted to do with us women who ran the students union. It was awful and I had, the university was refusing to do anything about it because no actual crime has been committed and you know when something happens that is actually against like free speech blah 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 when something happens that is actually against our policy call us and it's like what what is the line that has to be crossed can you please identify that for us university what would you like to happen to one of us before we come and tell you about this this is ridiculous but I was like uh, collecting everything and then you know we're not responding to any of this a bunch of it like you know we're not answering particular phone calls anymore because we're getting phone calls from all over the place and then at our events these strange men start appearing and just recording everything that we do it was terrifying and I can only imagine what that's like now on campuses, because this is like, you know, things change so quickly. Like the realm of like what is acceptable online changes very quickly. They they had like a, a random website that was like not taken seriously by most people that that you know would never show up anywhere that people would cite. But now you know the sun has become so emboldened as to now be like an outright white supremacist rag. Uh, the types of things that they were saying on their weird website, I wouldn't be surprised to read in the sun today. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to find the type of people who would literally follow us around, like I used to work till one, two in the morning on a regular basis. The student union world is a type of world where you work all the time. And 
I, you know, I would have to, I would walk home because I lived close to campus. And it was a terrifying time where you could leave the office and find a guy literally standing outside with like, with some sort of recording device, like recording me walking out of the office. And I'd have to go back in, call somebody and say like, can somebody come and pick me up or walk me home? It was, it was terrifying. And that type of thing continues until today. And that's like, you know, like that is what living life online is like right now. And it's just getting worse and worse. And I don't really know what we do about that. No. No, I was, I was thinking it was a good time to just be like, so do you have any questions? <laughs> so, so now that like, yeah, we've described how terrible the world is. Um. There, like there are, there are some <laughs> things that are okay. Like there's a good network of people. Um, it's, very, it's very depressing the first time you see who is not coming to bat for you. Yeah. So once you get over that. <laughs> that is actually a, a big piece of it, actually. Yeah, for sure. That is, it's a really sad moment to realize, oh, here's, here are the people who have my back and here are the people who I would have expected to who really don't. Yeah. It's hard. It is. And so once you get past that, you know who's good. <laughs> and, um, and because you're, now, like, we are both marked. <laughs> like, we are people that uh, the people are being, like, people are on us all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it does mean that having people who we can ask for help or asked to intervene is really important, mm -hmm. but it also means that we have a good like um, understanding of what's coming. And so, um, like this week, I wrote something to respond to what I thought was another wave targeting someone in Toronto, mm -hmm. who's an activist, uh, a labor activist, and a Muslim, an activist in the Muslim community. Uh, again, someone being targeted by Anthony Fury, who is like an actor, actually, which I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I know, it's, he must not be a good one. No, I think his IMDb profile is like kind of pathetic, but like mm. whatever. He works for the Toronto Sun and he thinks that we need a border wall all the way across the United States, which is like, okay, yeah, maybe like when they steal our water, but why else? Anyway, um, and so <laughs> having, uh, having a good group of people to, to really be able to spot when these things are happening and then you can see it accelerating and then you can see Ezra Levant get it or Faith Goldie or whatever the hell, um, that is, that's nice, that's good. Um, the problem is, is that it feels like an onslaught. Like mm -hmm. it really doesn't feel like it's, it, it doesn't feel like it, it can relent. And so, yeah, so it is going to be a depressing, maybe, conclusion. Yeah. Well, and then, the, like, the one thing that you, like, that we could kind of, like, take away from this and be like, hmm, hmm, is that most of these trolls are dudes. Yeah, what the heck? What is up with that? Um, yeah, or, like, even, uh, like, a third, like, a third of the women are actually, like, hiding. Yeah, Like, yeah. they're men that are just using a woman's profile yeah. and being like, yeah. are you calling me? A guy, and it's like I can tell that you're a man. Like, fuck off, man. Like, Dude, the amount of people who pretend to be black online—it's oh. so funny because it's also so obvious. Oh, like, yeah. you're just like, you're not black. I see you really trying to use some lingo, but you are not black. <laughs> yeah, it's like those Antifa uh, files in the states. Where, like, that guy is an Antifa. Look at him, and it's like he's not. That's. <laughs> <laughs> no one says that in real, Nobody even on in real online life. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a gendered aspect to this for sure. There's definitely a, a race aspect to this. Um, and then the other thing that's really I think depressing is um, a lot of these people are real. Like yeah. for sure, a lot of them aren't. Well, aren't like they're maybe like five of them are one guy in like Texas. Um, but a lot of these folks are real. And um, I did go through every single message that I got because. Uh, I wanted to make sure that any threat that I had, I had record of it and I was keeping it. And so I was going through every single one. And the number of people who 
uh, like live in Ontario, that live in, you know, Saskatchewan or Alberta or British Columbia, who their employers are there, their kids are on their profile. Like I can see that they're a union member and it's like, oh my God. Um, these people are real. And in one case, I had one threat that was just over the top and the guy, like his profile says he lives in Sault Ste. Marie and Sault Ste. Marie is really small. And so I emailed someone who, you know, uh, and I was like, hey, do you know this guy? And she says, yes, he's known like to be a complete asshole. And his mother is a professor at the college. So, you know, email her. I was like, done. And so I sent the, I sent the, the threats to her. And I did this to a couple, a couple of people's employers as well. I think maybe five or six times. And it was always in the context of like, one, is this guy okay? Like, can you please go tap him on the shoulder and be like, do you need help of any kind? Mm -hmm. Like a hug or something or whatever, right? And then number two, do I have something to worry about? Is this guy's threat serious? Because this seems serious. I don't know him. I don't know if he's got the six guns that he's referring to in his post. Do I need to do something personally? Do I need to call the police? Whatever. And, um, and it was great because in some cases people were like, wow, like, thank you for this, whatever. Um, in this guy's case, his mother writes back, um, as you can imagine, he struggles with mental health issues. We're at the end of our rope. We don't know what to do. I'm really sorry. He won't get help. And it just felt like everything about the internet encapsulated in this one kind of picture of one person who is struggling, clearly. Um, the mother admits this to a complete stranger and she doesn't know what to do. And she's probably completely also implicated in it and is also probably has like is struggling with her own with her own struggles. And it's like, okay, but that's still not good enough. Because mm -hmm. like, what am I supposed to do? Just be like, oh, that guy shut up my doorstep. Like it's too bad. Like everyone tried to do something and no one could do anything. <laughs> right. Um, and as we see these stories come out in the news of people who, you know, do things that are bad and that hurt other people under the, uh, with the families saying, we tried to get them help and we couldn't get them help. You know, it, it's a good reminder of like the, the real life work that we need to do to make sure that, you know, that austerity does kill and that if there is no other option, but like inpatient forced hospitalization, that doesn't seem very good. That's mm -hmm. not a good option. Like, mm -hmm. Do we have a way to like force someone to volunteer at the library and actually have contact with books and mm -hmm. with people and social you, integration, social integration or, or, or food bank work or learning to cook or who the hell, like something, right? Like, yeah. like there are so many like uh, creative things that I'm sure in this room, if we had a, a brainstorm that we'd all come up with really great ideas, but no, we don't have any of those supports and the supports that do exist are brutal and you have to be literally in the most like severe crisis to even maybe get access to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is also very depressing. So that's not a solution either. Well, the solution is is, is struggle, right? Yeah. Obviously. But this might be a good time. <laughs> this might be the greatest time uh, to invite uh, comments or questions or um, observations. And it doesn't have to be on what we just talked about. If you have any questions about other things that are going on that you want us to riff off of, we could do that. Yeah, like if you want to uh, have Sandy describe her recording studio. It's just a desk. I don't even know. <laughs> it's like my recording studio, not as good as your recording studio. I was hoping which you is would a blanket say that. Fort. Yeah, I, I, I record in a blanket fort. <laughs> I'm just at a desk. <laughs>